Good evening, everyone. As uh, folks are making their way in here, uh, we're glad to have you here at Element City Church. I'm Jack. If we haven't met yet, if you're tuning in online, uh, hello. Uh, thanks for dialing us in and, and tuning in with us. If you're online, we have an amazing host for you tonight. Carol is hosting, and she is super awesome and would love to pray for you if you need some prayer, if you feel like you want that. So just uh, kind of hit the chat there. If you are online, we'd love for you to hit that connection card on the top right of that screen if you are new. Uh, and here, if you are new, we would love to connect with you as well. You can actually text the word hello uh, to our number, which is... 520-340-6868. If you just text hello, it'll ask you a couple other quick questions, but we'd love to be able to follow up with you and help you kind of find your way around uh, our Elements family. So we are thrilled to have you here. Uh, in fact, if you are new, I would love to personally invite you to meet me at the 10-minute party, which is in the back of the room there, and you get a free gift. And I'm telling you what it is. It's the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Like, this side of the Grand Canyon is the best kettle corn, I'm telling you. And so I would love to give it to you and just meet you and kind of find out your name, meet you, how, hear your story a little bit, how you connected here. If you're online, uh, I'd love to follow up with you, but you don't get kettle corn, sorry. Um, but, like, maybe I'll mail you a kernel. That would be kind of cool. Uh, so we would love to connect with you. Thanks so much for being a part of Elements tonight. And as we get ready to worship, uh, Pastor Lyle's preaching tonight. Excited for you to hear from him as we're continuing our Beatitudes series. We're going to look at that next week to finish up that series, and then the whole month of June, we're going to do a whole series called On Wisdom, and we're going to read through, so here's the challenge, if, in case you're not here next week with Memorial Day weekend, uh, we're going to read through the book of Proverbs in the month of June, which means, here's how that works, June 1st, you would read Proverbs 1, June 2nd, you would read, guess what, Proverbs 2, on the third day, you would read chapter it's amazing. You guys are so intelligent. So, like, we would love to just kind of challenge all of us to read along in that in the month of June. We'll talk more about that. But tonight, I'm just, if you're here in the room, I'm going to ask you to stand up as we get ready to worship. If you're online and at your house, you can stand or sit. We won't know. Uh, but we would love to pray for Mission Church and Pastor Andy Littleton. He's the Church of the Week. Their church is the Church of the Week. And we've been praying for the Church of the Week all around uh, Tucson. Uh, we've got a bunch of churches that care about this city and care about our community and care about people. And so we want to ask for God's blessing upon our night and upon Mission Church. And so, God, we just pause right now and want to lift up Andy to you and ask for wisdom, discernment for his team and for his elders and for all of their volunteers there at Mission Church. We know that you've given them a heart for a little bit west of us and uh, just asking that you would leverage their abilities and their resources to reach people in their community. Uh, we know there's a lot of folks in our community that aren't connected to a life of faith. And so we're asking for Mission Church that you would bless them and that you would encourage them and that you would leverage them for your kingdom good in our city. God, we pray for tonight as we just aim our hearts in your direction and, and, and want to lean into and listen as we learn about what does it mean to be a peacemaker and as we aim our hearts to worship you and to kind of let a, the distractions of the week that has been and the week that is to to kind of hit pause and just worship you. So, Father, would you be at work in each one of our hearts, whether we're here in the room or watching online or even watching throughout this week. God, would you minister to your people, we pray in Jesus name and everyone said amen well good evening church let's put those hands together 
We got a new song tonight. You gotta move a little bit, okay? That's the only requirement. Arise, my soul.
Lord, we praise you. We praise you, God. I want to do something a little different tonight, if you will join me in doing it. I just want to have a little bit of a space right now. I think it's easy to just get in the motion of coming to church and we, we do a couple songs and then we get the message and then we're done, right? I just wanna encourage you to sit in some silence. Actually, you're not gonna sit. Uh, if you want, bow your heads with me right now and we're just gonna pray and just allow this space to breathe. Maybe you need to have a conversation with God. Maybe you need to leave something at the door and say, God, I don't know how to handle this. God, I need to give you praise for this. So would you bow your heads with me? We thank, we thank you for who you are, God. We thank you that you go before us. Maybe lean your shoulders back and just rest for a second. Would you have your way to move in here tonight, God? We just wanna praise you. We wanna praise you together. We're so thankful that we get to meet and praise about who you are, God. read a verse, you can keep your, your heads bowed, but Philippians chapter two, verse eight says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has, exalt, has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God, we declare right now that you are greater than any. And God, we cry out if we're having a hard time putting you up there. Maybe we're having a hard time seeing it. So I, I pray for breakthrough tonight, God. I encourage each and every one of us to just lean into you during this time. You are 
upon my praise as I sing of your love. Holy Spirit, fire, burn within my soul as I call on your name. As I call on your name. As I call on privilege to join this unending worship. So God, we're excited for what you have in store for us tonight. Holy Spirit, would you prepare our hearts and speak and change us and transform us so we may become more like you. Take a moment and pray for Lyle as he's getting ready to speak tonight. God, would you please move in power tonight in the hearts of your sons and daughters. We are waiting. We thank you, Jesus. And we pray all these things in your beautiful and precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We are in week seven of our eight-week series called The Good Life, where we've been walking through the Beatitudes. Uh, this is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and so tonight we're looking at what it is to be a peacemaker. As Jack said, my name is Pastor Lyle, uh, so I am the newly appointed associate pastor here from a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I'm just excited uh, to bring this word tonight. Uh, I've been preparing and, and reading through this, and it's, it's humbling when you go through a message on being someone who brings peace, and you see uh, your own points and how uh, applicable they are to your own life, where it's like, oh yeah, that one smarts a little bit. So I'm going to step on your toes tonight, and I'm just going to apologize in advance uh, if you're offended. Uh, I don't mean it that way. I really don't. Uh, but I think that there's a challenge here for all of us in the society that we live in. Uh, in the culture that we live in, just this, this specific period in time, that there's a message that we can pull from this, that if we get this right, uh, we have an opportunity to make a pretty significant impact in the world. I really honestly believe that. So um, it's not going to be that bad, I promise. I kind of set that up. But an important question to ask, have you ever had one of your favorite bands break up? Have you ever had to live through that moment? Maybe you're a big uh, NSYNC fan and you remember when Justin Timberlake decided he needed to go solo and that broke your heart. Maybe we can take it back, it was the Beatles, you know? John and Yoko got together and man, John wanted Yoko to be a part of the band and the guys weren't having it. Uh, maybe a, a Guns N' Roses fan, you got Axel and Slash. Um, but for me, uh, a, a song that was formative during my uh, years was Wonderwall by Oasis. And I love the band Oasis. They're a fantastic band. They brought Brit Rock back into uh, its glory days in the 90s. They were out of Manchester, England. And they had a set of brothers that led the band. You had Noel Gallagher, who was the lead guitarist who wrote all their songs. You had Liam Gallagher, who was the lead singer, the younger brother. And they hate each other. Notice I didn't say plural. I said present tense. These guys could not get along. You want to talk sibling rivalry, let me tell you some sibling rivalry. 94, they had just released their first album. They were on the tour for Definitely Maybe. They're performing at a gig in LA. And Liam decides what any younger brother uh, would decide, hey, I need to annoy my older brother tonight. So what does he do? He starts uh, mocking the band from the stage in the middle of the set. Uh, when that didn't get a rise out of Noel, he decided to take the tambourine he was playing on one song and throw it at his head. Noel dodged that. That still didn't phase Noel. He kept going. This guy was professional. What got him was actually when uh, Liam decided that he would start changing the lyrics to all their songs mid-song on stage, and that he just he couldn't take it. Go to the next year. They're recording uh, their album, which is really their famous tome. Like everybody who listens to Oasis, you know what's the story, Morning Glory. That's the one that Wonderwall was on. Champagne Supernova, Don't Look Back in Anger. There's so many classics on that album, right? So they're recording it. They're in Wales. And uh, Noel was famous for uh, having an incredible work ethic. He's working on the album late at night. Uh, they've recorded quite a bit of the record already. And Liam, who decided to go into the, uh, the pubs, wanted to throw a few back, got a little tipsy, ran into some of their band friends, uh, a band called Cable. They decided to go back to the studio and make sure that Noel couldn't work. So this resulted in Noel breaking a cricket bat over his brother's head, which later went on auction and could be purchased, which was creepy. Uh, so the, everyone thought, that's it, this album's never even going to come out. Like, Noel just up and stormed out, uh, and 
Sure enough, a couple weeks back, uh, a couple weeks later, he came back. They finished the album. They released it. The rest is history. Uh, one of my favorite moments, the next year, they're playing MTV's Unplugged in 96, and Liam decides, I don't want to sing tonight. So he tells everyone he's sick, pulls out, last minute, literally the day of the show. They're recording for MTV. Noel's like, fine, I'll take the vocals. You just rest. So Noel decides to, or sorry, Liam sits in the balcony, smoking cigarettes and drinking the whole set heckling his own band from the balcony. Heckling his own band, like what? Who does that? Liam Gallagher does that, that's who does that. So 2009 was finally when it all just came to a head and they, they couldn't handle it anymore. They're in Paris, uh, they're touring, uh, they're headlining this tour and five minutes before a show is about to start, they get into a fight again. Liam throws a plum against the wall, like just, and storms out of the room. And so Noel's like, that's it, we're done. It's fine, five minutes, show will start. Nope, it wasn't over. Liam had gone to his dressing room, picked up an acoustic guitar, came back in the room, and is swinging this thing around like an ax at his brother. So his brother decides to dodge it, gets the guitar from him, and smashes it, shatters it, leaves it in splinters on the ground, walks out, and five minutes before they're about to play a show, he quits Oasis. This is what Noel said about his brother. I love this. He is the angriest man you'll ever meet. He's like a man with a fork in a world full of soup. It's tough uh, to keep the peace, especially when egos are involved. Bands aren't the only ones who struggle with it. Maybe last summer you watched the Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Uh, you had the GM of the team, Jerry Krause, literally broke up one of the greatest teams in basketball history because he didn't feel like he was getting enough of the attention and the recognition that he deserved for doing so. So we're in week seven, again, of our eight-week series on the good life, and, and we want to ask this question, how can we be peacemakers? How can we be people who keep the peace in a world that's full of ego? that's full of this kind of chaos. So we're gonna be in the book of Matthew tonight as you're uh, pulling up the sermon notes. We've got those in the YouVersion app, the Bible app. Uh, if you're tuning in online, uh, you can click. There's the little sermon notes button there. We'll also direct you there. We'll have all the passages there, all the points. Uh, but we'll be in Matthew chapter five, uh, verse nine. The series takeaway that we've been going through this whole time, uh, we've kind of been saying this every week, that the pursuit of the good life, at least the one that this world says to seek, will ultimately let you down. But the pursuit of the God life is what will lead to real, lasting joy and true blessing. Uh, I love the quote. We said it last time I, I was up here, too, from J. Vernon McGee, that we've got to remember these are called the Beatitudes, not the do attitudes. It's really easy to listen to a sermon, especially in our society. And we just want the points to apply to our lives so that we can live this out. And yet the Beatitudes, uh, it's hard to just do these things because these are attitudes of the heart. These are postures that we have to take. And so there's not necessarily just a clean application through this sermon series, uh, and that's a bit of the challenge. So we're trying to figure out how can we take uh, maybe some truths from this that we can apply to our lives to rewire how we think so that the way that we live this out can show people who we are as followers of Jesus. And so Matthew chapter five, verse nine, uh, it says this. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We have a microphone issues. All right. There we go. Let's uh, pull this off because that's a little anyway. So probably a little bit more awkward. And again, I'm holding it in the wrong spot. Sorry, Micah. We'll get there. Does anyone know a good joke? 
while we're doing this? Dan always knows. Here, let's get this out of here. All right. Matthew 5, 9, back to the message here. So blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So let's break this verse down. It's real easy uh, with these verses. They're short. Blessed. We talked about this. The Greek word makarios. It means happy. And it's not just regular happy. This is like this person is happier than other people, almost to the point where others would look at your life and they would be envious of the amount of joy and the happiness you have. And so Jesus is saying, blessed, happier than others are those who are peacemakers. And maybe you know uh, the word shalom. Have you ever heard the word shalom before? It's pretty common. It's still a Jewish greeting and a blessing that they pass along to each other. Uh, so you, this idea of shalom, this idea of peace. In Greek, the word is irene. And what it's, it's describing is not just the absence of conflict. It's describing a sense of wholeness. Uh, it's, it's an idea, it's a state of health. Uh, it's an idea that there's multiple pieces that come together to make something whole. And so Jesus is saying, happier than other people. You will be envied if you go about and you build wholeness wherever you go. If you can take people who feel fractured and set apart, like just split, and you can bring them together, you will be called the son of God. Sons of God, this is the son of God speaking here. And so really what he's saying is, do you want to know if you have the DNA of the father within you? Then are you the type of person who goes about and builds peace and makes peace with people as you do so? Again, it's easy to break these verses down. They're short, they're sweet. And so it's really important for us to look to other passages in Scripture if we want to find proper application. And so let's go to Romans 14. Because as I read through all of... uh, Matthew, and think about the idea of making peace. Jack and I were actually at a prayer retreat for pastors a couple weeks ago, and it was interesting how many people were talking about anxiety, and they were talking about the conflict, the division that's in the society, and, and the rest, how do we lead our churches in a time like this? And the guy who was leading the, the prayer for us uh, decided to, to have everyone break off on their own, and we spent probably a good 30, 40 minutes just reading Romans 14 on our own. Uh, but this whole verse, or chapter rather, of Romans 14, it's about how to disagree. And if you know anything about the book of Romans, we're going to go there. Remember, I'm kind of nerdy, so I like to nerd out. So we're going to get the five-minute nerd out. We're going to put our nerd hats on. And I, I'm hoping that maybe at some point Micah will make a theme song for this time where it's like the five-minute nerd out. You know, like something cool. He just popped in the back. He's like, I'm on it. So five-minute nerd out. Just stick with me. We're going to get nerdy. We're going to look at context because this is important. This is what sets up uh, this entire passage. So the book of Romans. Here's your background. It's less than five minutes. I've timed it. I promise. Stick with me here. So it's probably written in between the years 40, 54 to 55 AD. We know it was written by the Apostle Paul because this is created in the book of Acts. In 49 AD, if you look at history, the Roman emperor was Claudius, and he decided he didn't like Jewish people, so he kicked all the Jews out of Rome. So you've got all the, the Roman Jews who have to leave the church, including the Messianic Jews, but then he dies in 54 AD, which allows uh, those Jewish folks to come back into the city, to come back to Rome. Now, they come back, and they basically in their mind, they feel like the, the Gentiles have been swinging from the chandeliers. It's disorderly. All of the food laws, the purity laws, the Jewish customs have been abandoned. And why? 
because they're Gentiles. Like they don't know this stuff. They don't care about living this stuff out because it's not as important to them. And so the Roman Jews are offended by this and they're, they're frustrated, they're angry. And so you've got a church that's divided, a church that's split over how to do church. And so Paul spends the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, and he's really uh, pointing out this is how righteousness comes. It doesn't come by following the law. Righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And he's saying we need to respect each other. You need each other. So Romans 2, he's saying to the Jewish folks, you need to look at the Gentiles and see them as a true Jew. That's interesting, right? He's saying that the circumcision isn't a matter of the flesh, it's a matter of the heart. What God does in the heart is what matters with a person. And then in chapter, uh, gosh, nine through 11, he's gonna tell the Gentiles, but you need the Jewish people. You need to respect them. They're the holy root, he's gonna call them. And so this whole book, it's, it's building up to this point. So it gets to Romans 14, and that's where we're gonna go now. See, less than five minutes, I promised. Romans 14, verse one through four in the ESV, it says this. As for the one who's weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And so reading through Romans 14, there's a couple things that I've pulled out from this that I think will help us in this pursuit to be peacemakers. So point number one, it's this, welcome people. Welcome people. It's simple. This is a core value at our church. This is like one of the most important rules for our church. Welcome people. And notice what Paul says, don't welcome them just to engage in them with your disargument. Don't welcome them to argue and tell them why they're wrong. Like I picture a Bible professor sitting at home, just sitting there kind of rubbing his hands, you know, whenever the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons ring the doorbell. Why? Because they wanna welcome him in the home and just be like, bam, 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 bam. Here's all the reasons you're wrong. I don't know how many people have come to Christ when they realized that they were wrong about everything they ever believed in. That's just not how the human brain is wired. And Paul knows this. He's saying, welcome people. Welcome people. How did Jesus welcome me? How did he welcome you? Did Jesus welcome you uh, and immediately tell you, hey, you suck as a human being. You're terrible. You're dirty. And uh, you need to be cleaned off. That's not the initial call of Jesus. When we read the scriptures and we read through the gospels, the initial call to follow Jesus was come and see. Come investigate me, see who I am, see what I'm about. The initial call to follow Christ is not a call to morality. It's a call to investigation. And we need to create a culture at this church where people sense that and they feel that. That the first steps that they take to come investigate this Jesus he can tell them why they're wrong and why they need to change every aspect of their life. Jesus is gonna be able to do that. As they spend time with him, it's gonna rub off on them. It's gonna happen. We know that it will if we're faithful to the gospel. But the initial call to follow Christ, remember, it's a call to investigate. And we need to be a culture that welcomes people. I like to think of it, does Jesus scowl at me every time I continue to mess up? 
You know, I think some of us have this idea that he's up in heaven. And he's just like, he did it again. Like, he's not scowling at us. He's patient. He's kind. That's how he welcomed you. And yet, gosh, just a week ago, we went, uh, we took some of the, the college group and uh, some of the other young adults, and we decided to go up uh, Mount Lemmon so that we could go hike and get out of the heat. And I just tell you what, I like to scowl at people who stop me in the parking lot to back into a parking space. Why would you do that? It's so inconsiderate in my mind, and I'm scowling, and I'm judging. And I know that there's people in this room who back into their parking spaces, and God bless you. I love you. And it's not, this isn't a comment of judgment. I don't need you to come up afterwards and to defend to me the reasons why you back into parking spaces. I know them. I've already heard them. I just don't need to wait an extra 10 seconds for you to back into the parking space, and then I have to back to give you this to do it. And that totally happened in the McDonald's parking lot. Just like, right? Like, it's just, oh, I'm scowling. I'm scowling, and I'm judging. And that's not how Jesus treats us. That's not how he welcomes us. Romans 14, verse 13, directly confronts me in my sin here. It says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded that Jesus, or in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself, but is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. What I see here, number one, we gotta welcome people. Number two, you can be right and still be wrong. I say that again, you can be right and still be wrong. Not only was I judging people for bark, backing into parking spaces, I know, I know, pray for me, I'll get over it. Um, I worked at Apple for nine and a half years before I came time here at the church, and I worked in tech support. And let me just tell you, um, there were so many times where I felt like I was right and I was still wrong. I was still in the wrong. If you uh, know anything about an Apple store, the volume there's crazy. You have tons of people coming in. And I just want you to picture what it would be like if your store had been closed uh, for two months and then when you reopened, how many people needed to come in to get stuff fixed, right? So being one of like maybe 10 to 12 people in the store who's certified to even work on computers, uh, you can imagine when we had four to five times the amount of volume of computers to repair, it was pretty stressful. And uh, so there's always this tension when you're in that position of having to fix stuff in the back, but you still have to see the customers who are out front and bring them in and let them get their computers checked in too. And the reality is most of the, um, the leads in the store, especially the newer leads, uh, just didn't always understand the tension there and the balance that had to be struck. So it was a rough day. We had a computer that had been in for quite a while. And I hate to say, this was like literally just a couple, like a month ago, a month and a half, however long. This is literally like the last week that I'm working there. And uh, this sweet, precious lead, she's new, comes into the back and she's like, hey, I need you to come out and take an appointment. And we were so far behind, like I just, I really shouldn't. And I had been trying to get to a computer for about two and a half hours and it just continually was getting pull, pulled and, and, and never given the opportunity to fix that. And I made sure that she knew it. And I, I totally, with by what I said, she felt belittled and she felt demeaned. And she came to me and told me that a couple of hours later. 
was right about what we needed to do to get stuff fixed because we were pretty far behind. And yet I was wrong with the way that I treated her with what I said because the way that she walked away from that moment and what she felt was less than human. That's terrible. That's on me. And yet how often do we find ourselves in the church doing this? Paul says this in verse 15, that idea, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. That's a strong word, isn't it? Do not destroy. It's kind of an interesting word there. When you look it up, I, I was kind of researching that. It's like, what, what, what exactly is Paul trying to say here? Uh, it, it could be translated lost in offense, you know, or to lose uh, utterly. So like a permanent type of loss uh, is what it's saying with this destroy. So it's maybe, maybe not necessarily that I'm like physically destroying someone, uh, but it reminds me of Proverbs eighteen nineteen. It says this, a brother who is offended is harder to be won than a strong city. Oh, that, so that's interesting. So maybe what Paul's saying here is uh, I could offend someone in such a heavy way that their heart is hardened and they're unwilling to listen to anything anymore. So maybe it's not just about a, a person. Uh, maybe it could be the concept of uh, destroying could be about the church. Maybe what Paul's saying here uh, is this stance uh, that I have here, which is right, by the way. Like Paul's addressing people who are, in the, like, who are correct in what they're believing and telling them how they need to interact with a less mature believer. And Maybe what he's saying is don't destroy the people of God. Don't destroy the church because of your opinion on something. When I care more about being right than I care about the faith of a brother or sister in Christ, I'm making my ego my priority. And I've crossed the line to being in the wrong. When we make peace our priority, what we're actually doing is we're prioritizing the kingdom of God. And that's point number three. We wanna welcome people. We've gotta remember that you can be right and still be wrong. And we wanna keep the kingdom, the priority. He says this uh, in verse 16. He says, do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What Paul's basically saying is, what are our opinions or our politics compared to the beautiful people that Jesus has died for? Think about that. What are my opinions compared to the beautiful people that Jesus came to die for to save? And maybe it's hard to remember what the kingdom of God actually is. He's saying here, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It was all about these food laws and the Jewish customs that the Romans were arguing about. But really, we could change that to a fill in the blank. What is this in the church today? The kingdom of God is not a matter of Democrat or Republican. The kingdom of God is not a matter of whether you wear a mask or not. The kingdom of God is not a matter of vaccinations or anti-vax. And yet, how often do we find ourselves building up these arguments because this is the most important thing to us when we've forgotten the hearts and the souls of the people that Jesus died to save matter so much more than a stupid shot. The kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness and peace and joy 
Notice, it's not a matter of being right. It's a matter of righteousness and peace and joy. Paul says in verse 19, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. How are we building others up in peace so that as we go, like Jesus said, that we're taking people who are fractured and splintered and torn apart and helping them bring this together into wholeness to find the peace that they really need. And the last point is this. We need to look to Jesus as the example. This idea of being a peacemaker uh, in Matthew 5, 9 makes me think of Colossians 1, 19 through 20. Uh, It says here, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I want you to notice the son of God, right? The DNA of the father, he's in Jesus. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell within Jesus. It says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So that idea of being a peacemaker, Jesus is making peace. And when you go to the Greek, it's literally, it's the same word except for like the last two letters. The ending of the word slightly changes because the tense is changing here. And so Jesus made peace through his suffering. How? He did it by purchasing our salvation for us. James 4.1, it says this, says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And that word passions, he's really talking about uh, the Greek there, hedone, like it's, it's hedonism comes from this word. It's pursuing whatever pleasures I want. It's whatever I think is good for me. And so ultimately, all these pleasures are rooted in sin. That's what James is saying. It's your own passions and your own desires that are stirring within you that you have to be right about. That's what causes this quarreling. And what we have to see is what ultimately divides us is our sin. And here's what I mean by that. When we say the word sin, it means to miss the mark. We're not talking sin as in like this church lady, like sin, right? Like I feel like the church has used this word for so long that people are turned off to what it really means. And so when it says to miss a mark, it's an archery term. You've you've heard me talk about this. Here's the target. Jesus has hit that. And we just continue to shoot arrow after arrow. And we can't even come close to hitting it. And yet Christ came and lived the life for us, and he hit the mark. The Greek word for peace, erene, that I talked about earlier, it's actually sometimes translated as salvation. What people actually need when we need peace, we need salvation through Jesus Christ. If we want to be peacemakers, what this means, Jesus had to suffer to give us peace. If we want to be people who bring about peace, that means that we have to suffer. I even made a meme about this because I feel like it's hard to do this. And this is, just describes it. If they put that up here, uh, a lot of times this idea of peace, we love it. It's great. We think about it and we're dreaming about it. And when God says, hey, guess what? It's your turn to be a peacemaker. You get to suffer that offense. We're like the girl on the right, aren't we? But when the kingdom of God is our priority, when people's souls are our priority, we can suffer with purpose. And when we have purpose, that helps us uh, to, to manage that tension, to live in that tension, and to see that it's better. It's worth it. What are your opinions compared to the beautiful souls 
of the people for whom Jesus died to save. The state of the world, it's very polarizing right now. We know this. There's conflict everywhere. Politically, we're a mess. Let's be honest. It's a mess. Culturally, it's a mess. Is it not? Worldwide, we've just seen uh, the worst bombing between Gaza and Israel in seven years. I mean, that was, it was horrible, was it not? Just to continually see these images. Uh, it, it's just such a mess in this world. But what if we saw that the world's greatest need was actually to find peace? And what if we knew that the only way that they could find that peace, that salvation, was through Jesus Christ alone? How would that change our thoughts? How would that change the way that we address people and share our opinions. We've got to be able to do it. I'm not saying that you can't talk about politics. I'm not saying that you shouldn't vote your conscience. But what I am saying is that we have to stop holding people who know Jesus, who are torn apart inside, to standards in scripture that they don't even know. Those standards that are set out in scripture are for the believer in Jesus. And so as we welcome people, as we bring them in, they may not believe all the right things. Jesus isn't scowling at them for it. He's patient. He's waiting to change them. we got to remember, you can be right, but you can still be wrong. Let's make sure that we never get so dug in on our opinions that we offend people and we lose people because of it. Let's keep the kingdom our priority. Let's remember that the souls of men and women matter so much more than any viewpoint that we carry. But let's look to Jesus as our example because through Jesus, he purchased our salvation when he died on the cross. He suffered for our sake so that we could then go and proclaim his message to the world, a world that's broken and shattered and torn apart. And so throughout this uh, series, we've been challenging you at the end of each message. We've been having a time. And so we've been challenging people, get your phone out. And I've been looking the last couple weeks. You're not taking your phones out. Take your phone out. Maybe you use a journal to take notes. If you do, that's fine. There's not enough movement. I'm serious. There's not enough movement. Take out your phones. Hold them up. I want to see your screens flashing at me. I see four. Okay, that, oh, man, I'm so proud of you all. We did it. A little bit of shame. It goes, goes a long way, folks. Um, that's the lesson that I just learned tonight. That's probably not the right thing. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Dan's got his flashlight on now in the back. This isn't a concert. It's all right, Dan. Thank you. Uh, but take your phones out because I, I want us to build in a time of reflection here to think about these points. And we're going to put the points up on the screen one more time. Um, I want you to reflect. And I want you to take a note and think through these points. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you've dropped the ball recently in one of them. And I want you to think about that moment. And what would you do differently next time? Because the reality is our brains, there's a neurological pathway that gets wired into us. And that's the reason that we respond the way that we do to situations. And the only way to change those patterns is to do something different the next time it happens. If you don't reflect, you're not going to change. And we're not coming to church just to hear a good sermon and be convicted. We're here because we want Jesus to change us. And so if you want to be a peacemaker, if you want to upbuild others and help bring this wholeness to people, to know that the DNA of the Father lives with inside of you, how are you going to live this out this week?
And that's the challenge. So we're going to leave a space. Uh, it's going to be quiet for a couple uh, 30, 40 seconds just so that you can process and maybe make a note of something that you want to do differently this week so that come Friday or come Saturday, you can look back on the week and say, man, thanks for working in me, Jesus. You did a work here. You changed me. Thank you. And see what that does for your worship life when you start to see God coming through for you and you start to see the way that he's changing and working within you. So take a couple moments, think about that, uh, and then I'll uh, close with a word of prayer before we uh, close with a worship song. Father, we love you and we're so grateful for the work that you've done within us, that when the storms of life were raging, that we could come to you, Jesus, and we could find the peace that our souls needed. It's so hard to live out the gospel if we're being honest, to be people who bring peace, make peace wherever we go because it, it feels like we live in a culture where it's really important to be right right now. And yet, God, uh, would you just bring it into our hearts what the gospel message is, that you loved the world so much and you saw the brokenness in the world, you saw the, the devastation, and that's still the case today. We still see that. And yet into that, uh, you sent your son, to live a life that we can never live. And yes, you say that salvation comes through him alone, and yet this is the most inclusive message that's ever been given because it's an offer that's available to everyone that if they would uh, confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, that they would be saved. What a beautiful picture. And so for those who are here tonight who maybe don't know that peace, who are searching for some of that peace, who want to know more about that, God, would you begin to work in their heart in this moment? Would you stir within them a desire for something more, a desire that's so great that only you could fulfill it? And if it's you that I just described, maybe uh, things have been chaotic and you've never given this Jesus thing a shot, if you want to give it a shot, if you want that type of peace, to have that assurance of salvation, We'd love to talk with you. We'll be in the back at the, the par table with the 10-minute party, and you can come back there uh, as the band's playing this next song. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. Because, Jesus, this is your greatest desire, is that we would all live in the shalom that you've intended for us to live in, to live as one, to live this wholeness uh, out, and to be people who bring that with us wherever we go. So would you just help, Father, one truth from tonight to land in our hearts? Would you create within our hearts the fertile soil for that to take root so that it can build itself up and sprout into something beautiful, something that continues to draw us back to you as we see the work that you're doing in us and through us as you change us and conform us into the likeness of your son, Jesus.
We love you, Lord. We ask that you continue to move in this time of worship as we celebrate you and celebrate the unity that you want within not just our hearts individually, but the unity that you want within the church. All the glory, all the honor, all the praise, it goes to you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you guys stand with us? You said for wherever two or three come together, in your name you will be there with them. Everyone is needed and everyone is so loved. There's a place for all people, for the broken and lost. Our eyes are upon you. Hearts are to warn you, we come as one, united in love. All the different pieces glued together is needed. As Father, Spirit, Son, we are one. Arise, His sons and daughters, wake heaven with your praise. Lift up your hands and voices, shout glory to his name. Serving his kingdom, keeping our passion, radiate with the spirit, hoping on our for all. Our eyes are Shout glory to his name, who rises sons and daughters. 
right. What a good night it's been. Uh, so just want to thank you for those of you who partner with us. Don't forget that we do our giving online. We also do it with the boxes in the back, kind of the stainless steel boxes. So if you've got that, uh, you can feel free to drop that in there. We just want to thank those of you who partner with us uh, financially. You're who enables uh, this church to be the church and to go out and do ministry. And that's, a, that's not a thing that we take lightly. It's, it's a blessing uh, to us. And, and, and we, we thank you for trusting us with that. So a uh, couple things that we want to let you know about. Number one, we've got that 10-minute party that Jack talked about. If you want the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon, and again, if you've been to Utah, it's probably better in Utah. I'm sorry if you're from the north. But if you're from down south here, right, like it's so good. So go back there. Make sure that you get that if you're new. Uh, you can check in with Jack and get that. Uh, if you're online, uh, feel free to click the connect card button there, and then we'd love to get in touch with you that way as well. Uh, we've got our second Saturday food distributions that are going to be coming up, and we just want to let you know of a change that happened. Uh, previously, we had these packed food boxes that Shamrock Farms would put together. And so we just showed up on Saturdays and we gave the boxes out. That is no more. Sadly, it was easy. It was great. Um, but we're going to go back to the model that we had before where we need to get some people together on a Friday in the morning so that we can pre-pack some boxes so that on that Saturday those boxes are ready to be given out. So we just want to put that on your radar because we know that that's going to be coming up in a couple weeks uh, in June when it starts. So we're going to need a couple extra people to help us on Friday as well as on Saturday. Just putting that out there now. That way you have no excuse if we... I'm just kidding. People have stuff going on. We understand that. So uh, we just, thanks again for tonight. Uh, we want to stay connected with you. Uh, so if you've got any prayer requests, anything at all, uh, feel free to let us know. We'll be in the back tables. You can get prayer back there. Uh, you can text that into our phone number. Again, 520-340-6868. You can text those prayer requests. We'll get them there. You can email info at Element City Church. You can call the church. Um, but we want to be connected. Uh, so whether you're on site, whether you're online, we just want to thank you for worshiping with us today. We pray that you'd be blessed. We pray that you have a great rest of your weekend and that just as you go this week, that you would be uh, people with the kingdom as your priority, where you're building up peace uh, and looking to upbuild other people. So be blessed. We love you. Have a good night.